Okay, so welcome to Pushing Rubber Podcast. It's episode 122, and um, I'm going to start this one with a song again, like last week. It's a, um, it's a rainy, wet, cold afternoon here in Holland, which is the perfect time, the perfect type of weather for autumn as far as I'm concerned. And autumn is my favourite season of the year. And uh, I have a song here by Nick Drake, which I've just spent the last 20 minutes or so learning, called Which Will. So let's try it. Which will you choose from, from the stars above? Which will you answer, which will you call? Which will you take for? Which do you dance for? Which makes you shine? Which will you choose now? If you won't choose mine. Which will you hope for? Which can it be? Which will you take now? You won't take me. Tell me now. Which will the best?
That's a nice Sunday afternoon song. I like that. Let's put the guitar over here, alongside all the other ones. Like I said, it's a uh, the wet and rainy Sunday afternoon here in Holland, and that's that's good. That's that's relaxing. And relaxing is what you want to be in autumn. That's why I like autumn. It's kind of like you're winding down. You don't go out as much. You recharge your batteries. Even if you're working all week, you're still you're still recuperating. And um, I've had a really busy spring and summer. If you take into account three months in the U.S. and all the other stuff that uh, I've been doing this year, so moving house, you know, finding a house. Autumn, um, autumn is really relaxing, and I like that. The only thing that my house is missing is a um, is a wood fire, and I've even considered installing one myself, paying for it, even though it's a rental home. But uh, that's how much that's how much a wood fire is. In. I think I think uh, if you have a wood fire, it's a home. If you don't have a wood fire, it's a house. That's I read that somewhere, and that's that's entirely my sentiments on it as well. And this this little place would be absolutely diabolically perfect if it had a wood fire. The only thing this place is miss the only there's two things: wood fire, gas doesn't have a gas stove. It's got a very nice electric stove. I think the, I think actually I think I think top notch would be rip out electric stove, put in wood wood stove. That would be perfect. If I was able to buy this house, which I'm not able to because they'll never sell it, and why would they? I never would. That's what I'd do. I, I, I divide the places I've lived in along t two avenues. View, wood fire. So I suppose the best place I've lived in was the, um, the house in... The Italian Alps up in the little village of uh, Mastellina di Camezzadura that had the view and the wood fire, which I installed myself. Um, great uh, cast iron with ceramic tile, uh, wood heater, with a nice glass door. I think it put out about 15 kilowatts of heat. I hardly had to use the radiators. In the winter it was so good I think I probably spent about three or four hundred euros every winter on firewood and that's because I was too lazy lazy to go up the hill behind me well not that I was too lazy if you're gonna go up the hill behind you in the Alps and, and by, by hill I mean mountain and start chopping wood you better have the right equipment a you need <laughs> you need the right equipment to chop down the trees and the right knowledge And B, the right equipment to get down the hill. Uh, I didn't have that, so uh, yeah, I just used to get it ordered and delivered off, which is perfectly fine. How the hell are you all? I hope you've all had a nice week. Um, I've had a pretty good week. It's been extremely busy at work. Um, I just, uh, my days are basically, alarm goes off at 5am, 
walk out the door around six and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I try and hit the gym after work. So normally I'm walking back in the door around 6, 6.30. So that's a good 12-hour day. And then I have something to eat and I sit down to see how many of you haven't hit on the blog. And I try and get a draft article together for the next morning, which I'll finish off the next morning when I get up. And then I'm in bed by 9 o'clock. So that's, uh, those are my weeks at the moment. But you know what? It's cool. It's cool. I'm just cruising along. And then, and then the weekend is just, the weekend is just um, rest and recuperation. So Saturday, I'll, I'll go and do the shopping and I'll do a lot of cooking on Saturday. Saturday's a real cooking day. Yesterday, I cooked a really nice version of your English uh, shepherd's pie, but this one's cottage pie. So it's shepherd's pie is served with lamb mince and the cottage pie is served with beef mince and the key to it is is putting in some Worcestershire sauce into the um, into the meat mix really sets it off and then what you do after you've cooked that is you put it in the baking tray and you put mashed potato all over the top and you throw it in the oven for 30 minutes so the mashed potato has already been cooked you've already made it normally and then uh, and then the oven just browns the top of the mashed potato and you pull it out and it's all bubbling. And I tell you what, that dish, there was a bottle of red wine, is absolutely superb. And I discovered a, a, a new-to-me butcher in Leiden yesterday. I was just walking a, walking past it. And they don't, they don't take... Um, I put my order in and then I found out that they don't take cards, they only take cash. So I had to leave and go around the corner. And literally there was about it's a small little place, tiny shop front, but with a good five butchers working in there. And this was a real butcher. And there was a there was a crowd. There were like 10 or 15 people around the front of it. And every person who ordered got a cut of their uh, Dutch sausage, smoked sausage that they, which got, not smoked, cooked sausage. Um, so I got the sausage twice. I got the sausage when I ordered and then I had to leave to get my money. And then when I came back and picked it up, but holy crap, what a butcher. This place was really, really, uh, really impressive. Old style, man. Old style. This could have been, it could have been three centuries ago, except for the fact that the, the glass panel at the front was, you know, obviously all lit up and electrified, but big cutting blocks there and all the meat's hanging at at the back and then they take it out and you want some steaks well they go and they get this it's this steaks aren't sitting there in the counter in front of them they go and get this meat that's hanging and they pull it off and then they start trimming it and they start whacking out these steaks and then they throw the the meat on your traditional old style scales like they're not electronic scales they're the weight big weight scales and they got three they had three big weight scales because that's how many butchers are working there and they're all happy. The thing that really struck me was how happy the staff looked working away. They were just having the best time. It kind of reminded me about when I worked, some of the really cool bars that I've worked at over the years, where it's pumping and you're just having a great time with the staff. And because the staff, it's like, it's like almost, it's, it is theatre. When you're working in a really good bar, and you, especially the bar is raised up above the patrons. I tell you that, if you're ever thinking of setting up a bar, 
the staff should be raised at least 30 to at least a foot above the patrons so the patrons can see what's going on it's a show it's a big show and you feed off it and you'll be like they're all screaming at you for drinks but they're screaming at you in a nice way and then at a certain point you stop and you're all behind the bar you'll all have some shooters maybe 10 staff and every there's 400 people you know cheering you on i mean that's good fun and uh there weren't any shooters involved in the butcher yesterday but you could just tell that they were all having a really really good time and and they were working hard man but and there were and there were people hanging out chatting and so there's well obviously friends and stuff i tell you mate i tell you that's the that's the way that's the way that's the shit that's the shit you know it can be done I have so many guys contacting me. What should I do? What should I do? Learn a trade. It might be butcher. It might be grocer. It might be, I don't know, a, you know, a, a tailor or something. And then just set up a place and make it cool. Make it cool. Make it just like people want to come in and hang out there. I couldn't believe that if you told me that people wanted to hang out in a butcher shop, to buy their meat, I'd look at you like you're mad. And yet, and yet, there were people just hanging out there, shooting the shit. Little, little shop, tiny shop, tiny, tiny. Who knows, of course, how long the left will uh, allow us to continue to eat meat. That's one of their big attacks, which I, I identified over a year ago formally in an article. Um, and it's it's only it's only getting powered up now it's only getting powered up and it's all about control they want to keep you starving and subservient and weak literally weak from hun hunger that's how the left wants you literally weak from hunger and malnutrition completely dependent on them to dole out the food anyway i'm sitting in yesterday i, I did a bit of a record i went to ikea on a Saturday morning and got in and out with a purchase in under 30 minutes. Now, I reckon that has to be a world record um, because I picked up I picked up a computer desk chair. It's called the Marcus because uh, I went to one of our offices of one of our other companies uh, that the company director owns. It's an internet company. It's got about internet marketing company has got about 10 guys working in there and they were all sitting on the same chair and I I went there with one of the other managers just to have a meeting so we could just <laughs> we could just not be disturbed and it's my first time I've been to the office and I sat in the chair and I was like oh, this is great this is great and so I went and got this chair and here I am I'm sitting in it and it's got a nice straight back and it's got very good lumbar support especially lower down it's got a little thing that's raised and ah i tell you what i tell you what this has made a huge difference a huge difference to me sitting here the only thing is it squeaks a bit when the guitar brushes it so i um i practiced that song a couple of times and recorded it and every time it was guitar rubbing against new chair which which kind of squeaked like you know you know a, a rat opera or something like that so uh, i had to position myself accordingly but yeah New chair in and out of IKEA, and uh, I, I got to IKEA. At, I think at uh, twenty past ten, 
and I opened at 10 and it was abs, I mean, geez, they've nailed that business model down, haven't they? God. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not, I was an IKEA guy 20 years ago um, and I'm not, I haven't been to IKEA, I think the last time I went to IKEA, I can actually remember it was 2009 or 2010. So it's been a very long time I haven't been there. Um, but I was very impressed with this chair. And I'm very glad I've got it because the chair I was sitting in was absolutely horrendous. Um, so there we go. That's, that's me rocking back and forth in a chair. Um, hopefully you've all got a good chair. Um, also, I made a purchase yesterday uh, in Leiden. I discovered a nice little clothing shop and I got a, uh, a turtleneck sweater. It's kind of like a, a brownie copper. Maybe copper brown colour. Um, I'm a, I've always been a big turtleneck or roll neck fan, um, and they were last in fashion probably in 1992 or 1993, um, and that's serious because um, I remember because I bought some polar Ralph Lauren ones back then. I must have been 23 or something like that, and. Um, I've always liked the turtleneck, uh, and I bought um, a white Gantt one about three years ago in Australia because I could feel they were coming back in. And it's not—it's not like I—I I only buy it because it's coming back in. You couldn't find—I just couldn't find any or any good ones, any structured ones. Um, but they're coming back in, and I'm really happy about that because a turtleneck. Turtlenecks are just a great addition to your wardrobe, especially if you live in a cold environment because they protect your neck and your neck is where you catch cold. You've got to protect your neck. Um, and a, a turtleneck with jeans, some nice boots and then a nice coat, you're rocking. You're absolutely rocking. Turtlenecks, are, you don't have to worry about the shirt. All you need is an undershirt with a turtleneck. Turtlenecks are really, really great. Um, anyway, I discovered a new brand. It's only been out, I think they started in 2012, called Filippo di Laurentiis, Italian. Um, and it ticked my two most important boxes. Number one, made in Italy, actually made in Italy. Uh, and number two, all virgin, high-quality merino wool. Um, you could actually feel you picked it up. It was, they had a mix there of, of, of wool cashmere and wasn't the way to go. Um, if you're going to buy, when you buy knitwear, of course you're going to buy knitwear. When you buy knitwear, there's a few things you have to consider. Uh, number one is where it's made. So your absolute top um, place for knitwear to, to be made is Switzerland. You, you, you probably won't be able to afford it. You'll be looking at a thousand euros plus for, for anything made there. Um, so the next tier down, the one that I can afford, is made in Italy or Portugal. One of those two places, handmade in Italy or Portugal, uh, that's what you want. The next tier down from that would be Morocco, Tunisia, uh, or Turkey, handmade in one of those places, and then anything else you don't even consider. So for instance, I don't buy, I used to buy Gantt knitwear maybe 15 years ago. Gantt was really good, and I'm, I'm actually wearing a Gantt uh, pullover here, uh, kind of like a sky blue color, that I've had, I think I bought this in 2003. 
2004. That's how long I've had this one. It's not good enough to go outside anymore, um, but it's it's a brilliant sit around at home knitwear piece. Um, and that's when they were actually made in the um, made in the US. Uh, now they're all made in China. Anything made in or, or, when you go to buy clothes, just just have a look. Is it made in China? So Polo Ralph Lauren, you can't buy it anymore. It's all made in China. The uh, you can only buy their purple label. That's made in Italy or Portugal. Um, and, and that's just too expensive now. Um, so anything made in China now is just, it's just not worth it. It's, it's going to fall apart on you. It's, it, and also, I just don't want to support China. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to support China anymore. Um, and I got an article coming out this week about that. Um, and then you want to have a look at, um, after where it's made, you want to look at what it's made from. So you really want to go for 100% um, um, virgin lamb's wool or merino wool, something like that. Um, cashmere is not a good idea unless it's expensive because cashmere will lose its, its completely use its structure after about one season. Um, so you can spend 200 euros on a cashmere wool sweater mix and think that you're absolutely rocking it and you'll be good for one season, which is literally three or four months, and then you may as well just wear the thing around the house because it will lose all its form. The other thing is you have to get this shit dry cleaned. All right, you can't you can't wash it at home. It's just don't do it. You'll ruin it. Um, and I don't know how many women in my life have ruined knitwear of mine until I learnt the lesson the hard way and don't let them wear it. Um, I wash, I get all my knitwear dry cleaned at the start of every autumn and at the end or the beginning of every, oh, yeah, it depends how much I've worn it. At least once a year I'll get uh, knitwear dry cleaned. Um, but I've got, I've probably got about 30 pieces. Um, so I'm not, I'm not using each one as, um, as often. Some pieces will maybe go two or three years without getting dry cleaned because I'm literally only wearing them two or three times a year. Just, just depends. So anyway, I'm really glad Turtlenecks are coming back in because it means that I've got a bunch of really cool designers to look at. Pick up. I'm going to pick up four or five of them, and then, you know, they're there, and then it'll go out of fashion again. And you won't be able to buy them, but then I'll have them and I can wear them. I look sensational. So um, turtlenecks definitely go out and get some turtlenecks. I'll tell you what, a white turtleneck. <coughs> Uh, slim fit structured um, pullover um, with a black coat, a nice black coat, and um, nice jeans and boots. You're rocking it. Girls go wild. Girls go wild with that combination. I've discovered. Well, they go wild if it's on me. Maybe they won't go wild if it's on you. How would I know? I don't know what you look like. I don't want to know what you look like. Anyway. Um, there was an article at uh, Rollo Tomasi's website uh, called Are Men Adapting to the New Sexual Marketplace? And it was uh, basically based off a comment from his last article from one of his commenters, Detty. Detty actually comments on my blog now again. And I've had some interactions from him. Smart guy. Um, and... The 
the topic is whether or not um, men have adapted to the new sexual marketplace rules. Um, in the sense, oh, let me read. Let me read some of Daddy's comment here. Um, about a hundred years ago, it was all ge geared towards men, and the sexual and marriage marketplaces were prepared with men in mind. They were prepared to advantage men and disadvantage women. Women responded to and lived within that milieu in a number of ways, using soft power manipulation, deceit, subterfuge, behind the scenes machinations. Most women were more or less okay with marrying an okay guy, having okay sex, and living an okay life. Of course, sometimes women cheated on the down low, sometimes women, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, the point is that women learned how to adapt. There are a lot of reasons for that, but they did adapt. The main responses men have used today to adapt to changing circumstances are as follows. One, game PUA seduction techniques. Uh, two, MRA, men's rights activists. And three, MGTOW, men go in their own way. Check out, don't support or participate in the system. Um, and then he goes on to say that 20 years in, we can safely say that option two, your, your MRA, your men's rights activist, is completely dead in the water and has been not only for some time, but from its inception, uh, which leaves game and MGTOW. Um, and it goes on to say that marriage 1.0 is dead. We're never going back to it for at least two more generations. If you think you're going to have a traditional marriage, uh, think again. It's not, probably most likely not going to happen. Um, if you're going to marry a woman, you need to improve your attractiveness. Marry a woman who is not financially dependent on you and cultivate your own life separate and apart from her. You need a contingency plan in the event that marriage goes south. And with all that, you need to consider whether you want to risk bringing kids into the mix. Um, and so the question is... Um, are men adapting to what's going on? And is MGTOW, um, pure MGTOW, the way to go? I, look, I, I read this and I look, I went through all the comments and there's something like 300 comments and there were some really, 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 really interesting comments, including from Dete, Detti and Nova Seeker and a bunch of other guys. Um, and I'll link to this article in the show notes. And I, th I think it's a really important topic and I can really relate to it considering the fact that I am now single, um, which is, I still, when I was with my ex-wife, I used to sometimes think about or joke about like, thank fuck I'm, I'm not single because it would be horrendous to be single in this, in this marketplace and lo and behold, here I am single in this marketplace. So how do I find being single in this marketplace? Well, the first thing I think that's really important is critical is it depends where you are geographically. It really does. I was really stunned when I was in the US. So I was down in Louisiana and I spent three months there on two trips this year. And I'm a good looking guy in shape and I'm Australian with an Australian accent. Um, like literally when I first landed and I picked up my rental car and I went to check it out I went, you know, drove up to the gate woman was there in New Orleans you know, hey, how you going? and she's literally like, oh my god, I love your accent that's literally what the first woman in America said to me that I interacted with um, so getting laid 
uh, in in the states, at least for me, wouldn't be an issue at all. But the, the women just aren't feminine. The the women are just not feminine at all in the U.S. I'm sure it depends on which area you are, which is why I found Rusha's travel log series of his Road to Babylon, the tour around America that he's doing at the moment, so interesting. Um, but still, it it's their appearance and their and their their mannerisms, their their loud voices. American women, just like Australian women, are loud. Um, they, they set your teeth, they set your teeth on edge. That's what they do. Australian women are even worse. I think it's just because, you know, uh, Australian women literally talk like this. G'day mate, how you going? All right. <laughs> That's what Australian women talk like. If you think I'm joking, all right, watch Bondi Beach Express or whatever the hell it is, you know, um, so the, the women, the women per se, are just unattractive um, in their in their lack of feminism and decorum. I would say is the is the correct word. There's a, there's a real lack of feminist, um, feminine. They've got a lot of feminism, but they're not feminine because uh, feminism is the opposite of feminine. Um, and we like our girls soft and cuddly and curvy and demure and petite and long flowing dresses. No more women in pants. No more women in pants. Here in Europe, it's a lot better. Um, I'm in Holland, however, and Dutch women are slightly horrendous in that in general, uh, I'm not talking about your outliers here. My ex-wife was an outlier. But in general, yeah, and my wife, ex-wife, for those who don't know, is Dutch. But in general, Dutch women um, peak very early. Um, and then once they've got their hooks into a man, will we'll let themselves go quite happily. Um, and, and don't see any point in, in doing any more effort whatsoever. That's your general type of Dutch woman. They go short, severe haircuts by mid-30s, uh, and they kind of turn into walking blocks, like, like, a, like a walking... Dutch women, by about 40, are a walking rectangle. That's what Dutch women are, uh, including the head and the haircut. They're like a walking rectangle. They're like a strategic object. Uh, that's, that's, that's what Dutch women look like. And they are... And it's, it's, just, um, it's just unpleasant. Um, so... You've, with regards to Dutch women, you've, you've got to nail yourself an outlier or, or you're going to have a horrendous time if you're looking at some sort of um, long-term relationship. Um, I'm very, I'm, I've met, some hung, I met a, a Hungarian girl recently um, who was in her mid-30s, which we would, have all, we would all consider ancient, and she was stunning and f very feminine and very pleasant to be around. Um... And uh, I might do a trip to Hungary. That's that's how impressed I was. She's the first Hungarian girl I've ever met. 
And everyone tells me that Hungarian and chicks are the way to go. But anyway, we're talking about this article uh, at Rouge, uh, at sorry, at Rollo's. Are men adapting to the new sexual marketplace? Um, as regards to myself, I've now been single for a year, and I have avoided the new sexual marketplace uh, completely uh, in that time. I've had a few. Um, proposals from women which I have managed to avoid discreetly while maintaining uh, social relations. Um, one in particular, she was actually pretty nice but early 30s with two kids and I'm just I don't I don't want to be involved with you at all um, because uh, uh, you've you've got two kids and and I'll be walking into their lives and then walking out again. And I just, I just don't want to. I don't want to see the hope on their faces that is this going to be daddy. And I, I don't. And I'm obviously I'm not going to bring up another guy's kids in a million years. So yeah, that one I managed to tiptoe my way out of. It was a excuse was a shame because she was she was nice, but there's just no way. There's just no way. So I'm not participating at the moment in the sexual marketplace. So this is the ironic thing, because um, I've I've been anti-MGTOW, because MGTOW, men going their own way, got subverted by incels. That's what, that's what, that's what happened to MGTOW. MGTOW got, invert, got subverted by incels, who, it's one thing to keep yourself in shape, have money, have a good career, have all your hair, um, be worldly, have interests, have hobbies, and be attractive to women and go your own way. That's one thing. And it's another thing completely to be a basement bottom dweller and go your own way. In the first, you're actually going the own, your own way. In the second, you, you have no choice. You're not going your own way. Women don't want to have anything to do with you. So if, if women don't want to have anything to do with you, um, you, can't, you can't at all claim to position yourself to be going your own way. All right? You're just alone. And you've got no choice in the matter. So MGTOW, men going their own way, presumes in and of itself that you've made that choice, which meant you could be with women, but you choose not to. Um, and... I think the last time I looked at the MGTOW community online was a couple of years ago, and you could just tell that that. And this is we're not talking any photos here, but you could just tell that these guys were were, were never going to get laid in a million years. Um, of course, now the sexual marketplace is so much geared to online, which for me is kind. It's it's. I just find the whole thing bizarre. I really do, especially coming from someone who's been on the internet since its inception in the early 1990s. Prior to 2006, 2007, it was social disgrace to admit that you hung out on the internet. Prior to 2006, 2007, if you met a girl on the internet and you introduced her to your friends, you did not say that you met her on the internet because that was just, you're a loser, mate. Um, 
And I know because in 2006, I think it was, I met a, a, an American girl on the internet and she flew over to Italy to hang out with me for a few weeks. And that was what we call crazy sex. Uh, and it was two weeks of crazy sex. And in that time, I introduced her to some people and it was just like, oh, yeah, we, well, yeah, we knew each other from before and she's come over to visit me. Both her and I were not going to admit that we met on the internet. Not in a million years. Uh, met on a poker forum, if you can believe it or not. I got I got photos before she came over. Um, luckily, when she walked through the gate, she actually matched the photos. Um, but now this whole this whole, of course, post Facebook, of course, everyone suddenly everyone was on internet, and the internet was now cool. Literally a literally a complete flip in a matter of months, even weeks. I would put it down to weeks. In two thousand, I think it was two thousand six or two thousand seven. It was absolutely bizarre how it flipped. And then the smartphones, and now, um, and now it's all. Um, women are getting, of course, are getting their, because um, for mo- for your average woman, your standard woman, your non outlier woman, they don't need sex. So men need physical sex for physical release, but women only need physical physical sets sex um for uh what's the right word i'm struggling i've suddenly lost my brain they don't need sex for the physical release as so much as they need sex for the um um the valuation it's the wrong word um i know some of you are sitting there screaming at me right now going the words this the words this the words this um uh, uh women need validation there we go god women 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 want sex for validation that's what, that's what primarily what women want sex for and the majority of your average chicks is just getting validation by putting their photo on instagram and having having dying of thirst beta migtail incel whatever the hell they are Telling them that they're the most beautiful woman in the world. There's all the validation that you need, sweetheart. And I observe this. I observe it. I observe women all the time. Uh, whenever I, um, whenever I can in a social setting, because I like women, and and I just, I just wouldn't be involved with any of these women at all, not in a million years. So, ironically, from someone who called out the MGTOW Brigade a few times in the past. You could say that I'm pretty well MGTOW at this point. Um, But that's also a result of the divorce and not wanting to make a mistake at this point in time. I I can't afford personal mistakes at this point in time. I just can't afford it. Not emotionally, not monetarily not not in any way shape or form can i afford to have a personal mistake not after what i've just been through so the easiest way to avoid a mistake um is to not step foot in the marketplace at this point um so that's what i'm doing i'm just um i'm stepping back and it's Yeah. Um, 
And so I go to the gym, I do all my things. So I, look, I, don't, I read this, so I read this article over at Rollo to Marcins. Um, and basically in the comments, what they're saying is you just need to go your own way and to improve yourself and improve yourself and focus on yourself and focus on yourself. And a couple of years ago, I would have agreed with this, but now I find it, un I, I, I get, I get, unfortunately, I get uneasy when I'm seeing this stuff. Because to focus on yourself is, in a, is narcissism and hedonism all mixed in together. I, 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 the ego, I, I. The 19th trait of the modern man, the modern man is not I. I am that. I find this to be a trap, the focus on the I, the focus on improve myself, improve myself, all about me, all about me. Because it's one thing to know that as human beings we are alone, that we're born alone and we die alone. It's another thing to actually live that out in a selfish and narcissistic manner. Men and women... Oh, no, I'm going to fucking blow some people's minds here. I'm going to blow some people's minds. But men and women, believe it or not, are supposed to be together. Who would have thought it? Men and women are supposed to be together. When the sexes are balanced, when the roles are balanced, when things people are where they should be, Men and women are supposed to be together. And they're supposed to be together for certain reasons. Right? But because we don't have a community anymore, because we ripped apart our community. For, we, community was, was your neighbourhood, so people who look like you. We don't have that anymore. And people was the church. You go to church, and you would not just—you wouldn't just go to church. You'd be involved with the church. We don't do that anymore. Right? We haven't done that for forty years, and so that's been ripped apart. While the family's been ripped apart, so people are more and more and more turning inwards, and that's why the internet exploded as much as it did, because it—it it came about at the same time as when people needed external validation because they weren't getting it from the social aspect of their life, from family or friends or community. Um, and then we throw relationships in on top of that. And it's a big, gigantic mess. Um, are men... I think men are adapting to this, but they're adapting in different ways. What... What we're seeing now with the consequences for getting it wrong so stark, there's no comfort milieu here. There's no, there's no comfort zone. Like a hundred years ago as a man, there was a comfort zone as regards to personal relationships and family and, and society. So you could be an average man. You could not do any work on yourself. You should just have an average job. You could have a beer gut. Big beer gut, you could cultivate your beer gut, you know. You could be a bit of a slob, and there would be almost no repercussions or consequences for you in that regard. 
but now it's completely different. Now you've got to be at the top of your game. It's, but it's one thing to be at the top of your game. It's another thing to think, to mistake that being at the top of your game is the point. That's the trap I think a lot of guys are falling into. They're falling in love with themselves as an ideological island. That, and that's why I've never been a, a fan of Meng Miktao. That's why I've never been a fan of men going their own way. Never. Because ultimately, spiritually and socially, it's a gigantic mistake and a gigantic trap. At the moment, I'm not getting involved in the sexual marketplace. For a number of reasons, some of which I've already outlined in this episode. But I'm not checking out. Because if you check out, what's the point? We have to have something to live for. It's why people in public service jobs who don't produce anything are so deep down unhappy because there's no purpose to their lives. Men, we have to produce, we have to create, we have to make, we have to dominate, we have to build. But if you're doing all that only for yourself ultimately what's the point there's no brotherhood there's no fatherhood there's no relationship with a woman you may as well not have been here in the first place and that's that's a spiritual desert that's a wasteland I think MGTOW is a wasteland. That's what MGTOW is. If you really if you really choose to check out and you're not going to have anything to do with women because you don't want to get with the system, that's a wasteland. But T.S. Eliot wrote The Wasteland 100 years ago, but we really are living in the wasteland now. I think it's a really bad idea. I go to the gym, but I don't worship at the gym. There's a difference between going to the gym three times a week for about 50 minutes each session and being there at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning so you can hang out and have coffee with everyone. There's a difference. There's a real difference. It's a worship of the self. It's a real mindset. I, I stay strong and keep fit so I'm at the peak of my game to protect myself from sickness and illness and to have a good old age. But there's a difference between doing that and worshipping narcissistically your own body. I know that this is all over the place. I know. And I need to get my thoughts in order to get on this one, which is why I kind of like the podcast on occasion because I will write an article about this in the future. In fact, this will be a major part of my next book. And why is my next book not out yet? Because I'm still writing it based on what I'm working out in my own head. I mean, I started work on this and ideas and taking notes over three years ago. Thank God I didn't publish it then. Thank God. Because working this stuff out, I don't know a lot. 
I know very little. But the understanding that you don't know very much, I think is important. And this checking out shit, look, it's just cowardly. And there's no future. There's no hope. It's a, it's a, it's a hollow life for, a ho for hollow men. And I can't, I can't in any way support it. At all. I'm not MGTOW. I'm not checking out of the sexual marketplace. I'm holding myself back until I'm fit to be in it again. In an emotional and mental state. That's what I'm doing. But I'm not checking out. How will I approach the sexual marketplace when I decide to go back in? I will only choose to meet someone the old-fashioned way. Through contacts, face-to-face. -face. That's it. That's it. Because that's where all the fun is. That's where all the fun is. Where's the fun about swiping right or left or whatever you have to do to say you want to see something? Where's the... Where's the joy in that? Where's the discovery? Where's the mystery? Where's the mystique? Where's the where's the romance? There's no romance there. That's why I never went on a blind date. There's no romance in a blind date. There's absolutely no romance in a blind date. You walk I've been on a no, I haven't. You walk into a bar and you sit down to meet a woman you've been set up with on a blind date. And it's completely sterile. I just can't get with the program. You walk into a bar and you catch a woman's eye and then you cheekily raise your glass to her and raise your eyebrow at the same time. And end up and end up hooking up with her that night. That's Well that's the thrill of the chase, isn't it? I don't do that anymore either. I think that's why I've been enjoying Roosh's travelogue so much. I mean, here is a man. I mean, what Roosh is, was he Roosh? Late 30s? Here is a man who's devoted his entire adult life professionally and personally to chasing women for short-term sex who has published a dozen books on the subject and that's actually what he's lived off for most of his adult life who has now come to the startling discovery that that's wrong I mean that's got to be one hell of a mindfuck that really has to be one hell of a mindfuck that poor Roosh is going through right now. And I've never followed him, ever. It never interested me. Ever. Now I'm interested in what he's got to say. Because he's coming out of it. That makes Roosh an interesting man. If you, could, if you could give me one guy on the Manosphere internet right now that I want to sit down and have a chat with, it'll be Roosh.
precisely because of the journey that he's on and where he's at. MGTOW not only is checking out, but it's, it's a wasteland of spiritual nullification. There is no future in that direction for you. Which means that you'll be ground down. Psychologically. That's what it means. You'll be ground down. Because men have to have hope. That's what we need. Men have to have something to live for. I'll link to the discussion of Rollo's article. Have a read through it, and then have a read through at least the first... first couple of uh, first couple of pages of comments I think um, I think it'd be worth your while shout outs to Captain Capitalism um, who uh, Cappy's going through some hard times at the moment um and he hasn't uh, he hasn't had anything up in the last week or so. Um, so um, hat tip to Cappy, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Aaron, hope you're doing well. Guys, go check out his site, buy his books. Guy needs some support at the moment. Um, and that's really, really, really important. Check out his videos and his podcast. For myself, you can buy my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill, A Journey to Manhood via Whitewater Adventures. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't bought my books yet, what the fuck are you doing? Really? What the fuck are you doing? Go buy the books. Uh, And Run Guts Pull Codes. Follow um, my podcasts you can follow my blog as soon as i put the follow button back up because it's disappeared it's a long story you don't want to know um this is going to be the wasteland episode i hope you've enjoyed it um tell me what you think and um, have a wonderful sunday and a wonderful week and i'll talk to you next week bye